right, well, welcome to Living Hope Church. If you have children that are going down to Children's Church, they can dismiss um, out the back with Miss Sarah or Miss Melody will take them down. So if you weren't with us last week, last week we kicked off our Christmas Advent series. And in this series, we are looking at uh, two prophecies in the book of Isaiah. And in these two prophecies, uh, we are, we, they were given to the people 700 years before Jesus was born. And in these prophecies, we were given five names or five descriptions of who Jesus would be and who Jesus is today. And the Christmas story is an incredible story, but it is an incredible story because of who was born. Right? Babies are born every day. Babies are born in remarkable and difficult circumstances every day. But what makes Christmas so significant or, or makes it that holy night is who was born. And who was born was Jesus. And Jesus is not just an ordinary baby. But he is God in flesh who has come to save mankind from their sin. And in this Isaiah prophecy, we get this beautiful description of who Jesus is and how it is he desires to relate with us, his followers. Isaiah says that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and Emmanuel. And it's those five names that we are studying as we approach this Christmas season. And I love this study for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons I, I love this study is because I find names so interesting. Right? Our names are, are of those we love and our names are our own names. are some of the most important words in the world to us. They carry our reputation, our character, our personality in one word. And with Jesus, those names are even more important because they aren't just names. They are the prophetic words of God describing who the Messiah would be, who Jesus would be. So if you remember this last week, last week we looked at Jesus as our wonderful counselor. And the word wonderful counselor came from two different Hebrew words, the words Pele and Yahweh. And the word wonderful or, or, or uh, Pele, uh, it means more wonderful than words can describe. It's almost like a made-up word like awesomer or Jesus is the most awesomest. Jesus' greatness is beyond description. It's beyond our vocabulary. And then the word counselor, it comes from the word yowitz. And it doesn't mean like counselor like we think of today, where someone who listens to us and, and gives us some suggestions. But it means one who, who advises and instructs from a place of authority. Jesus hears our struggles. He sympathizes with our struggles. And he instructs and advises from a place of authority, of might. He is a wonderful creator. He is Lord of the universe, and he advises from that position of authority. From there, we talk about how it is that we relate to a wonderful counselor, and how it is that we are called to trust and obey him if we want to see our life change. So that was last week, and we kind of have that knowledge in our back pocket. Uh, but as we move forward to the mighty God, I want to read Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, where that prophecy comes from. Isaiah writes, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you saw us in our need, in our sin, Lord, and that you sent a Savior. That you came in flesh to give your life as a sacrifice for our sins. That you don't just advise and instruct us, but you are mighty to change. You are mighty to save. And so, God, I, I pray that as we study your word today, Lord, as we study who you are, God, that we would see that, that Jesus is a mighty God. And that he is mighty over everything we face. He is mighty over our life and our circumstances. He is mighty to save. And, God, I pray that we would be uh, just reminded of that, Lord, and that you would speak specifically in our lives, Lord, and that we would turn our lives over and trust them to you because you are able. So, God, I just pray that you would uh, speak to us today, Lord, and that you would call us to change, Lord, and that we would follow you. God, we love you, and we praise you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. So last week, if you were with us, we spent uh, quite a bit of time looking at the context for the prophecy and, and looking at King Ahaz, whom the prophecy was given to. So if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to go back and listen uh, to last week's sermon. It's available uh, on YouTube by searching Living Hope Green River. But for the sake of time today, we're just going to jump into this name, Mighty God, that was prophesied over Jesus. And we're going to see how Jesus fulfills the name and why that still matters to us today. And so the first thing we see when we study, when we read the Bible, we look at the life of Jesus, is that Jesus is God and he is mighty over creation. So that's our first point today. Jesus is divine and he is mighty over creation. In the book of John, John doesn't tell us the traditional uh, Christmas story, but he has this prologue that is so profound and so important as he begins. In John 1, 1 through 3, John writes, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. This is one of the most profound theological passages in the Bible. Its importance can't be overstated. And here in John 1, uh, John is saying that the word uh, is Jesus. And we see that by the context. We see that by the capitalization. We see that by the grammar of the passage. And John here is using the Greek word logos, which, mean, which was used throughout Greek philosophy to speak of the supreme creator. And so John is using the Greek language to point them and to point us to the one true God come to earth, and that is Jesus. And in that, John tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies. He is that long-expected Savior, that he was with God and that he is God. And in that, he is mighty over creation. So even before we see that Jesus is mighty over creation, we have to recognize that he is divine. Isaiah says that he will be called mighty God, meaning he is God in flesh. And John here confirms that Jesus is indeed the divine fulfillment of this prophecy. John says the word is God, Jesus is God. There's no gray area. To be clear, Jesus was not a God, he's not like a God, he doesn't become a God. He is and always was God is what John says. Jesus is God in some incredible Trinitarian way that we can't completely comprehend. Jesus is God, but was also with God. So there's some sort of a differentiation between the Father and the Son, yet they are both God. There's a lot of different illustrations that you might have heard that kind of aim to explain the Trinity, whether it be the egg or maybe H2O or the three-leaf clover. But the problem is anytime we try to define the Creator with His creation, all of those things eventually break down and they lead to inaccuracies. So without just spending the whole message on the Trinity, perhaps the clearest orthodox definition is this. There is one God, and God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. 
But yet the Son is not the Father, the Father is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son. God is greater than us, and there are, are some things our finite minds cannot wrap around on this side of heaven. But John teaches us that Jesus is God. He is from the beginning, and he is creator. He is sustainer. He is divine. He is the one true God, not just one of many gods. And this belief that Jesus is God, it, it differentiates orthodox or traditional Christianity from other belief systems of our day. For example, two of them in our culture is, is both the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormon Church. They have rewritten John chapter 1, if you read it. And they've rewritten John 1 to strip Jesus of his de deity or his divine nature, changing the wording, wording to a God or of God instead of he was God. Others have altered it to make Jesus the, the first creation instead of John's wording, in which he always existed and through him all things were created. And so this prologue is, is so critical to our faith and it's so critical to understanding who Jesus is. And it differentiates us as Christians from the world around us. And so it's through that lens of Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as Lord, Jesus as God, Jesus as creator, that John expects us to read and understand his gospel and the life of Jesus. Paul in Colossians 1 reiterates this point. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Isaiah tells us that the, the Savior that would be born, he would be called Mighty God. And both these passages point to the fact that Jesus always has been, he is God, and he is the creator, and nothing is made without him. So Jesus is divine, he is God in flesh, but why does that matter to us? I think it matters to us for a lot of reasons, especially if we come off last week's sermon where we talked about him as our wonderful counselor. Last week we talked about how Jesus sympathized with our struggles, how he cares for us, how he is with us. But when we remember that Jesus creator, that he is Lord over all creation, then we're reminded that he is not just hearing us, he's not just sympathizing with us, but he is mighty over our struggles, joys, and life. God is creator. He created me. He holds the world together, and he is mighty over it. And because of that, he can be trusted with whatever I'm going through. When we lose perspective that God is mighty over creation, that he is bigger and more powerful than I can understand, when we lose that understanding, that perspective, then we begin to believe the lie that there are some things in my life that my God can't handle. Or we believe the lie that we just need to help God out and take matters into our own hands. That's not who our God is. That's not who our Savior is. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. When we remember that Jesus is mighty over creation, that he is the God of the universe, then we can breathe, we can relax, we can trust him. And we can trust him because of who he is. That's not easy in our lives. That's not easy in our culture. Our culture says work harder, solve your problems, don't rely on anyone. But Jesus says stop and trust me. He says be still and know that I am God because I have power beyond your comprehension. So this week, might you consider, are there things in your life that you don't actually believe God can handle? He is creator. He is a mighty God. He can handle whatever you're going through. 
The next thing we see in the Bible and we see in the gospel is that Jesus is not just mighty over creation, but he is mighty over the enemy. The Hebrew term for mighty means champion or hero. And a champion is the one who is left standing after the conflict is over. A champion is the one who still stands when all others have fallen off. When I think of champion in this way, I think of the iconic photo of Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. Right, it's the picture that should be or is on, on every male dorm room at the college campus. Muhammad Ali is the champion. He is victorious. He is mighty. And there is nothing that Sonny Liston can do about it. And that's exactly who Isaiah says Jesus is and will be. He is victorious over the enemy and there is nothing the enemy can do about it. The other definition is hero. It's one who gains the respect of people because of his exploits. Right? Jesus is not only mighty and powerful, but he is worthy of respect and praise because of how he lived, who he is, and how he conquered the enemy. Right? Jesus was born on Christmas Day some 2,000 years ago. He lived the sinless life we couldn't live. And then he went and he laid down his life as a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. And he displayed his might as he rose victorious over the grave. Jesus is mighty and powerful, yes. But he is the ultimate hero worthy of our praise and respect because of how he lives and who he is. In the Bible, there are more than 300 prophecies about who Jesus would be, and he fulfills them all. That's what that song was about. Come our long-expected Jesus. But perhaps the first prophecy comes in Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree of evil, and, and God speaks over them uh, kind of what their punishment is. And here's what he speaks or prophesies over the serpent. He says to the serpent, and, or to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will come and crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The prophecy, the promise is that Jesus is coming, and when he comes, he will crush the head of the serpent. He will defeat Satan. He will defeat the enemy. And that's why we celebrate Christmas and Jesus' birth, not just because it's a really cool story or because we like cute babies, but we celebrate it because Jesus is God come to earth, and he came to defeat Satan. He came to defeat sin. He came to defeat death, and he was victorious in doing so. Right? And this is a point of, of comfort and joy. In Paul's letters, he always went back to this point. Even in the midst of trials and tribulations, he found joy and peace because he reminded himself and he reminded uh, his people that were they're listening to him that he was on the winning team, that Jesus is victorious, that we have been given life, and we can trust that he is the victor. Paul concludes the book of Romans in, in chapter 16 by returning to this theme. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your ways that are contrary to the teaching you have heard. Keep away from them, for, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Or he tells them to watch out for these things that separate you. Watch out for the things that trip you up. Watch out for the hard things in life, the things that keep you from Jesus. He urges them and us to not be distracted by those things, but to instead to focus on Jesus. Focus on his victory and rest in the grace and peace of God. 
He says when life seems too difficult to go on, when temptation seems too great, when we are overwhelmed by shame and guilt, we can rest in the reality that Jesus is mighty over the enemy. He is mighty over death, and we have life in him if we are his. Right When we are heartbroken because we have lost someone we love and we don't know how we can move forward, we can, we can remember that God is victorious over the enemy. And in him, even death has lost its sting. Jesus came with a purpose. He came with a mission and he is mighty over the enemy. The story is told a number of years ago on the, the Merv Griffin show. A guest appeared on that show and he was a bodybuilder. And he was this huge bodybuilder, and he entered the, the TV set, and he flexed his muscles, and, and the crowd went wild. And as he sat down, Merv asked him this question that caught him off guard. He said, what do you use all of those muscles for? The man was puzzled and didn't quite know how to answer, so he just stood up and he flexed again, right? And the crowd went wild. As he sat down, Merv again asked him, what do you use all those muscles for? Again, he was puzzled, didn't know what to say. He was frustrated, so he stood up, and he does what a bodybuilder does. He flexed again, and again the crowd went wild. And for the third time, Merv asked him, what do you use those muscles for? And the bodybuilder was stumped. He had no answer. All he could do was just sit there and look bewildered at, the, at Merv's question. This man had strength, and he had might, and he had power, but he had no purpose. And today we celebrate Jesus not because he is, just because he is mighty, but we celebrate him because he had incredible purpose. Jesus didn't just come to earth to, to, to lord over creation, but he came to earth to defeat the enemy, to defeat death, and to offer eternal life to all that would follow after him. We celebrate Christmas, we celebrate baby Jesus because he is mighty over the enemy and he is mighty to save. And that's our next point. Jesus is mighty to save. This point that Jesus is mighty to save, that's why we celebrate Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. why we have life and why we can have joy and peace in trial. Paul in Romans 6 and 8, Romans 5, 6 and 8 says, You see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is mighty to save, and he came with the purpose of saving. He came while we were still sinners, while we were dead in our transgressions, and while we were without hope. He comes to earth born as a baby. He, he lives the sinless life we couldn't live. He lives a pure and, and perfect life. And then he goes to the cross as an offering for our sins, for my sins. And then he rises from the dead victorious over death and over Satan. And in that, he is mighty to save, and he offers that salvation to any and all that will put their faith in him. Jesus' death, his resurrection, his might has the power to save all that will put their faith in him. Melody read it earlier, but Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, and he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Jesus is mighty to save. He is who we put our faith in. He is who we trust our life to, who we trust our eternal fate to. He is trustworthy, he is worthy, and he is mighty to save. He came to earth as a baby, into this evil world, but evil could not corrupt him. He was sinless and he remained sinless. In him was no deceit, no wicked thoughts, no evil intentions, no sinful deeds. 
He overcame evil with his righteous life and his mighty power. And it's that purity that he offers to any and all that will follow after him in faith. Trusting him as Savior and Lord. He lived a sinless life we couldn't live and died the death we deserved. And he offers his eternal life to any that will trust in him. He is mighty to save. And this is so critical. This is the, the good news of the Bible. Because the Bible tells us we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says because of that, we deserve death, the death he endured. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity. But because of Jesus, his sinless life, his death, his sacrifice on our behalf, he offers forgiveness and salvation and heaven to any that will follow after him. He offers us grace. He's mighty to save. And he offers that forgiveness, that new life to any that will turn and trust their life to him. So have you put your faith in him? Have you trusted him with your life, with your eternity, with your future? Because he is able. He is mighty over creation. He is mighty over the enemy. He is mighty to save. And in that we know he is also mighty over my circumstances. That's our next point. Jesus is mighty over my circumstances. Christmas and the holidays, they have a tendency to magnify our circumstances. That's part of why we love the holidays, because they give us the opportunity to pause and to rest and to celebrate with those we love. And we love the holidays because of those times. It's one of those few times that we get to get together and celebrate with those we love and cherish. And Christmas magnifies those good things. It magnifies those bonds. It magnifies the blessings in our lives. It magnifies those good things we experience. The holidays can also magnify the hurts, the losses, the challenges in our lives. Right for many in this room, this holiday looks different than the holidays of the past. For some, the economy has taken its toll. A, a job might have been lost or we just don't have the resources to do Christmas like we have done it in the past. And that's hard. And this Christmas season, it serves a reminder of where we aren't and of the stress and hard things that await in the future. Brothers, we've lost someone we love or we've lost a, a relationship or a friend. We lost a, a family member or a friend and it is magnified in the holidays. Things aren't the same, and we don't know how we can get through the holidays nonetheless life. But as we saw last week, and as we see today, Jesus cares. He feels your pain, he is with you, and he is mighty even in the midst of your circumstances. I love that Zephaniah passage. The Lord your God is with you, and he's mighty to save. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It says he will take great delight in you, and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I think that's such a beautiful picture of our relationship with Jesus. He is mighty to save. He takes delight in us and he quiets us with his love. Right? He doesn't just throw us a safety net and say good luck with this thing called life. But he takes delight in his children, his followers. As we saw last week, he cares about us. He loves us. He knows us. He delights in us. We aren't left to just figure it out on our own. It says he will quiet us with his love. When we give him our trials, our circumstances, our relationships, our joys, and even our hurts, he quiets us in the midst of them with his love. It's his love that brings perspective and comfort to our lives. When I read that statement, he quiets us with his love. I, I think of a, a mother with her inconsolable child. I got young children in my house, and 
and one of them gets hurt or one of them gets mad or one of them gets sad, what do they do? Without fail, they run crying and screaming to mom. And mom, like no one else on earth, can calm them down and soothe them with just her touch, with her love. In my house, they run to Melody. She embraces them with a hug, with her love, and suddenly everything is better. They are comforted by by her presence. They know it's going to be okay because mom is there. I think that's a picture of what God does for us. For us, his children, when we take our problems to him. He embraces us with his love. He quiets our hearts and he offers us peace in the midst of our circumstances and the trials. Right? When a child's hurt, a mom can't necessarily eliminate the hurt or the pain or or the difficulty the child is facing. But when that child feels the love of mom, it makes everything better. It provides perspective of what they are going through and they are comforted by by her love. In the same way, God doesn't always change our circumstances. He doesn't get rid of the pain and the hurt, but when we are reminded of who he is and who we are as his child, when we are reminded of his love for us, when we are reminded that he is sovereign and in control of this life, then we can find peace and perhaps even joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, as Paul says in Philippians 4. But the key here is to experience God's peace, to experience his might in the midst of our circumstances. We must run to him. We must turn to him just as the child runs to their mother. And that's a challenge because we often don't like to admit that we are weak and that we need help. We don't like to be dependent on someone else. We believe that we can solve it and get through it on our own. We believe we can tough it out and make it work. And while that can be a noble quality, quality, it can keep us from depending on God and turning to him. And in that, we try to be the mighty one instead of surrendering to the mighty one, the one who is able. We try to solve the problem and fix the situation instead of surrendering it to God and trusting him to help us. Right, we know this, but there are some things in our life that we cannot solve on our own. We can't fix them. We can't get through them, and we must turn to God and to his might and his wisdom. We need God, and we can trust that his power is sufficient. This week at Kids Night, if your kids were here, they heard the story of Jesus calming the storm. Right? I saw some awesome boats and artwork and even some rain shakers that came out of that lesson. But in that story, the storm comes. The disciples, they, they freak out, and they try to overcome the storm in their own power. They think they're going to die. And what's Jesus doing? Jesus is in the boat sleeping. And when they wake him up, he speaks over the waves. When they go to him, he speaks over the waves and he calms them. That's a picture of Jesus in our lives. When we run to him, he has the power over the storms. He has the power to provide peace even in the midst of the storm. But we must run to him. We must be willing to surrender. James says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. When we turn to Jesus, we can know he is mighty over our circumstances. We can know that he will quiet us with his love. And so when life is hard or when it's good, we are called to go to God. Even when you run to him kicking and screaming, he is there. His love is there. He is mighty over your circumstances and he calms your heart and gives you peace with his love. We have a Savior who is powerful over the enemy. He is mighty to save. And when I grow weary, when my circumstances are too much to handle, when I need peace and rest, he is my hope. 
When sin's grip seems too tight to overcome, he has the power to break it. When things seem hopeless, I am reminded of the life I have in my Savior. A hope that isn't temporary, but a hope that is eternal. When I feel like I am all alone, I can know that God is with me and he is for me. My God is mighty over my circumstances. He is with me. He can be trusted with them and he is faithful in the midst of them. I love John 16, Jesus says to us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's coming. But take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus is mighty over creation. He is mighty over evil. He has overcome the world and he is mighty to save. And in that, no matter what is going on in my world and in my life, I can have peace and take heart that he is who he says he is. I can take heart that he has saved me. I can take heart that he can be trusted with everything I'm going through. He is mighty over my circumstances and he is mighty over yours. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon concluded with this. He said, put your trust in Jesus because he is the mighty God. Oh, Christians, believe him more than ever. Cast your troubles constantly on him. He is the mighty God. Go to him in all your dilemmas when the enemy cometh in like a flood. This mighty God shall make a way for your deliverance. Take to him your griefs, for this mighty God can alleviate them all. Tell him your backslidings and sins, and this mighty God shall blot them out. And, O oh, sinners, ye that feel your need of a Savior, come to Christ and trust him, for he is the mighty God. Jesus is mighty. He is mighty over creation. He is mighty over evil. He is mighty over death. He is mighty over my circumstances. He is mighty to save. And the last thing we see is that in our weakness, we can share, we can showcase our mighty God. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul paints this just beautiful picture of this. He says of this, he says, speaking of Jesus and of the salvation we've experienced, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but we are not abandoned. We are struck down but we are not destroyed. And we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of him may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our body. So then, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Right, once again, we see that in our weakness, God sustains us. He is mighty over our circumstances. But we also see that it is our weakness that shines his light to the world around us. We are broken, fragile jars of clay. But in us, if we are followers of Jesus, the power, the light of our mighty God. And it's our brokenness that we show the power of God to the world around us. It's in us, broken, uh, cracked, frail jars of clay that God shines his power to the world. We are broken and fragile, and that just showcases the all-surpassing greatness and power and might of our God. We are pressured by the world, but we are not destroyed. Because he is within us. And so when we go, when we go to shine the light of Jesus, we don't have to hide our weaknesses. We don't have to pretend to be perfect. But it is our weakness that shines the greatness in the light of God. I love the New Living Translation, which says this in verse 7. 
we now have the light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from us. You see, the beautiful thing about a jar of clay and the power of God is that even our cracks, even our brokenness, even our weaknesses serve as opportunities to shine Jesus, to reveal his power and his goodness to the world. And so when you speak of and experience peace in the midst of tragedy, you are shining Jesus to the world. When you can forgive in the midst of attack, you get to shine Jesus to the world. When you speak of your forgiveness and of God's greatness in the midst of your weakness, you shine Jesus to the world. When you have the joy of God's promises and his future in the midst of uncertainty, you shine Jesus to the world. Life is hard. Life can be really challenging. It can be full of sadness and hurt. But we can find peace because Jesus is mighty and he has conquered the enemy. And in him, there's a promise of eternity, the promise of a future with no more pain, no more sadness, and no more tears. And when we can trust him with our lives, even in the midst of difficulty, Paul tells us we will experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that Jesus offers. And it is Jesus that we cling to and we share with the world who needs that hope and that peace. So as we begin to wrap up, Melinda, she's going to come and play. But where are you this Christmas season? Where do you need the hope, the presence, the joy, the love of a mighty God? Jesus is mighty to save. Maybe, maybe you're here and, and you need to trust Jesus with your life. You need to ask him for forgiveness and experience his victory, his peace, his grace, his joy, the promise of heaven for the first time. So if that's you, would you pray and would you surrender your life and ask him for forgiveness? He is mighty to save and he offers that to anyone that will follow after him. You can do that in your seat. You can come and talk with me. I'd love to share with you what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus is mighty over your circumstances. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, but you need to trust Jesus with your life and your circumstances today. All right, you've trusted him with your eternity, but today, this week, this life, this upcoming year, it just seems like too much. Would you be like that child and run to him today? Would you trust him with whatever you're facing today? Would you experience his embrace, his love, his promises, his goodness, his hope of a future today? Would you just turn to him, whatever you're walking through today, would you turn it to him through prayer? Maybe you're somewhere else. Maybe, maybe you are walking through trial and difficulty, but you need to not just experience his peace, but you need to share his peace to the world around you too. If that's you and God's called you to do that, would you do that this week? Would you shine his light through your trials this week? I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray for us, uh, I just pray that God will speak to your life. And then Melinda's going to play. And as she plays, I'd ask you just to bow your head and pray and just to ask God to speak. And if he has spoken, would you surrender whatever he's calling you to surrender to him? God, we thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that you are mighty. God, we thank you that you are a champion and you are victorious, but you're not, you, but, but you are also a hero who has, who has been victorious through grace and, and through a sinlessness, Lord. God, we thank you that you have conquered the enemy, that you are mighty over the enemy, and, and in you is victory and life and eternity and forgiveness. God, we thank you that you are mighty to save.
God, I pray there's someone here that hasn't experienced your salvation, hasn't experienced your forgiveness and your goodness and your joy and your promise of heaven. God, I pray they would surrender to you today. But God, I pray for the many here that have experienced your grace and your goodness. Right now, Lord, we are experiencing the hardness of life. We're experiencing the challenges of life or the uncertain nature of the future. God, I pray that even in the midst of that, God, I pray that we would first, that we would run to you. And God, I pray that as we run to you, we would experience your peace in the midst of it. We would experience your promises in the midst of our challenges. We would experience your hope of a future in the midst of heartache. God, that we would experience your victory over death and, and over the enemy in the midst of our pain and grief. God, may we find our hope in you. May we find our peace and our joy in you this Christmas season. And God, I pray that as we experience your might in our circumstances, God, I pray that you would use that to declare your glory and your goodness to the world around us. May we shine your light through the cracks and the weaknesses and the hurts in our lives. And may many around us see your light and experience your hope and your forgiveness through us. God, we thank you that you have given us just the gift of your forgiveness and of your glory. God, we thank you that even though we are pressed, that we are hurt, that we are despaired and in dismay, God, that you sustain us. And God, I pray we would carry your light to the world around us. God, we love you. We praise you, God, and we pray you would speak to us in these next few moments. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus on Christmas Day. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus is a mighty God who is mighty over the enemy, who is mighty over creation, who is mighty over my life, who is mighty to save, who is mighty over my circumstances. And God, I pray as we leave today, Lord, that we would trust in your might and your power and your goodness. In your name we pray, amen. All right, I've got a few announcements for you.